I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, we're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host Simon Fink and welcome to episode 302. I'm incredibly stoked to advise you that Animal Collective are our guest on the podcast today, more precisely, band member A.V. Tear. The indie psych band recently released a career best record with their 12th studio record titled Isn't It Now?, As a big fan of some of their previous albums, I'm super excited that we get to add Animal Collective to our guest list to the podcast for the year. Now, before we get to our conversation with AV Tear, please make sure you subscribe to this very podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever app that you use, and follow us across all of our social media channels. Details for all can be found within the show notes of today's episode. Our guest today is Animal Collective. The indie psych band from Baltimore have been delighting audiences for over 20 years with their unique and eccentric take on indie rock, psych and freak folk music. The band's most commercially successful record, Merryweather Post Pavilion, opened the band up to a whole new legion of fans in the late 2000s and they've continued to make incredible and unclassifiable music that they say is influenced by artists ranging from Fleetwood Mac and Brian Wilson to artists like Silver Apples and Portishead. After a five-year break between records, the band returned last year with Time Skiffs and have taken no time in following that record up with some classic Animal Collective material. The brand new record, Isn't It Now, came out a few weeks ago and has already been receiving critical acclaim from publications like Pitchfork and Uncut Magazine. In today's episode, we're talking to band member A.V. Tear about the recording of this record and how the band came together in person for the first time in a while. We talk about the eclectic musical upbringing that A.V. Tear had and how that plays into the band's many influences. We also talk about the logistics of touring with a band that contains four solo musicians and their plans for future touring. Isn't It Now is out right now and we've left links within the show notes on where you can purchase the record. We also want to say a massive thank you to Lucy from Domino Recordings for her help with today's episode. Here is our conversation with Animal Collective. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Dave Portner, a.k.a. A.V. Tear from Animal Collective. Hello, sir. How are we? Hello, I'm good. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm very, very excited that you're here just because we do have a brand new Animal Collective album that is out right now. Uh, firstly, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's uh, so good to just finally get them out there. You know, there's always so much waiting 
to uh, release it to people and get people to hear it. And yeah, it feels good. This one, it's been out a couple of weeks now, I guess. It has been out for a few weeks. I'm like, I have to admit, and I'll, I'll kind of give this information up early in the interview. I am an Animal Collective fan, so I'm very excited that there's <laughs> new music coming out. Um, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is exciting though, because it's usually a lot longer between drinks. And I feel like this is kind of the quickest turnaround we've seen between records from the band. I think Time Skiffs was last year? No, two years. Last year, yeah. Yeah, last year. Last year. It was that intended or has that just kind of happened due to the um, creative nature of the band at the moment? Yeah, uh, I think it was intended um, because we wrote all of the songs for um, Time Skiffs and Isn't It Now at the same time, basically. I mean, they were all kind of started and written over uh, a little, you know, a long span of time, which started in 2018. But most of them were kind of written around the same time. And then there were a few stragglers that kind of um, joined up to the group along the way. Um, But we kind of got together and and worked on most of them in 2019, um, all the songs that have been recorded now for Time Skiffs and uh, Isn't It Now? So at the time, it just kind of all felt like almost like one record. You know what I mean? I felt I think we we all kind of we didn't really know what we were going to do with them then, but we felt pretty strongly about most of the songs, if not all of them. Um, so you know, we knew we had at least two records on our hands. You know, if not other things that you know we like to sometimes put out EPs or just you know single tracks here and there. But at the, you know, uh, when it came down to compiling the songs, it just felt like yeah, doing it all as two records was the best way to go. I absolutely love that. And I feel that although they are two different records, as you've said, kind of written around the same session, there is still like a, um, I want to say a distinctive nature. They're still, I would almost say companion albums, but they're still very much stand up on their own. This is the, I think it's the 12th record or studio record if we're counting all of the previous ones. Is there anything that I guess changes for you guys as you release a new record i know obviously like maybe some of the excitement isn't there as the first two or three but like is it the same kind of um enjoyment in in putting records out for for fans i think so i mean i think at this point and maybe it always has been um the process is kind of the most fun part for me the part that like you know juices me up the most and and just (laughs) makes me feel the most like the the you know from the um, from the the seed kind of forming you know in, in, into you know the growth of of the flower that that whole process you know um, you know once it's once it's reached its its full growth or whatever then it then it sort of dies and and that's just the way it goes it's like a regular life cycle of anything I guess you know I've gotten to know it as you know but I feel like I've always yeah just really appreciated the process the most. And, and, and in that sense, if the process is really, um, a fruitful and, 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 you know, kind of feel good for the lack of a better word, then, then that makes me feel really good about the product, I guess, or what, what would, you know, what you call like the ends to end to the process, which is always the record or in most cases, the record. I mean, we do work on other projects that have other outcomes that I guess aren't, you know, initially slated as records like Tangerine Reef, the movie visual thing that we did or, you know, kind of installations that we've done. But yeah, for the most part, uh, 
I don't know. Once it, one, I feel like once it's out, it's kind of a relief because it's kind of like all these ideas and feelings about these ideas and stresses about these ideas and all the work you put into it. It kind of just gets removed from the plate <laughs> and from the slate. And then all of a sudden it's like a clean plate, you know, and then you can, and then there's a sadness to that, you know, cause it's, it's, you know, you hope that there is a sadness to it if you <laughs> if you you know had a good time working on the whole thing um you know letting that go because it was you know it 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 takes up such a a big portion of our lives you know and it's such a big animal collective is such a big force and importance in all of our lives that uh you know it's it's sad when a when a record um uh cycle comes to an end but uh it also means yeah on to the on to the next thing so I mean, in a sense, there's a little less of attachment, I think, these days to mm-hmm. them because, yeah, we've been doing it so long. And it's it's not that I'm personally necessarily numb to it. It's just I think it's just a matter of being very used to the process at this point and and I guess accustomed to just moving onward now, you know, at this point. 100%. I imagine I think you kind of phrased it beautifully in the middle there in terms of like it's a thing that has its life life cycle and it goes through that and then it kind of dies to then recreate a new and allow for a new life cycle, which is, um, right. Very exciting. Um, in terms of just continuing to be able to create and and put out new music, I guess with this new record, from my understanding, I think previously you had all been recording remotely or kind of recording bits and pieces here and there. This was the first time recorded back in a room with one another, um, for the first time, I think since maybe uh, ten years or so. Yeah, I mean, um, Brian. And, I mean, yeah. Again, it, it, it all comes down to like the little projects that we've done. That that kind of makes things. It makes a, a linear timeline for us kind of uh, very complicated. Um, but definitely um, after the you know the pandemic or the the, the quarantine period, it's definitely. The first time, you know, we had gotten into a room, I guess Brian and uh, Josh and I all recorded Tangerine Reef, um, the music for that in the same room uh, in Baltimore. Um, that was, yeah, that was a while back. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's not quite 10 years, but it's 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 been a while since we, yeah. Did you notice any, I guess, changes or like was um, this, the dynamic change between all of you, like when you haven't been writing in a room compared to remotely, whatever it may be. Do you notice that, that chemistry when you guys are together? Oh, definitely. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's in a, some sense, it's something you, uh, or we would hope that we could do, you know, it's like mental telepathy, you know what I mean? Like we, we'd <laughs> hope we could, we could do from afar, you know, it's just that technology hasn't like caught up with that yet. And, you know, there's actual, too much literal time delay, you know, to be able to, to react to each other in that way. And, and, you know, that's, that's a huge part of it is playing off what somebody else is playing in the moment. And, 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 you know, we've, we've come from a, 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 a place of, uh, improvisation in a lot of ways, um, where that sort of, uh, uh, fueled our playing together. You know, we've spent so much time improvising together that, uh, that kind of helps out. And, uh, you know, that's with the, with the way technology is right now, that's the best way to do that. Or the only way to do that really, I think is to actually be in the same place as the person that you're playing with. So, um, of course, all these songs are, are structured for the most part. And we, we played them 
loads of times together. And, and I think that's why we were so able to uh, quickly go into the studio and kind of knock this one out. Um, but it, yeah, I think it would have been a lot more maybe controlled and just yeah, less live sounding had, uh, had we done it all remotely as, as we did time skips, basically. I mean, time skips, I think is a good kind of, um, fake of us all playing together. I think it sounds great in that it, it, it does sound like in, in we are, it does pull off sounding like we are all in the same room, I think, but, um, you know, it just has a different saturated sound than, uh, than isn't it now, I guess to me. I can very much appreciate that. I think that, um, there is something to be said about the chemistry that you guys do have when you're together and, and how that kind of comes across on record. I know that, um, as you mentioned, you guys have been playing together for for quite a while now. I know it wasn't necessarily Animal Collective in its original form. I think it was like before that, but you guys have been playing since high school or at least interacting uh-huh. with yeah. music together since high school. Yeah, I mean, Brian and I sort of um, figured out how, how to... And for me, at least, I, I figured out how to play music with other people, like getting to know Brian, you know, geologist um, in high school. And then, you know, that expanded to becoming friends with Josh and then getting introduced to Noah all in high school. And, you know, that was, yeah, my introduction. And, you know, for the most part, the bulk of the, the pr- people I would play music with, you know, over this course of my life, you know, I mean, I've played with them the most, obviously. And even though it's also trickled out to other people along the way and in the best of ways, um, I, yeah, I came to know playing music with people uh, through those guys. And yeah, it continues. <laughs> Which I absolutely love. I think there's something, um, something to be said about four friends who can come together in high school and you guys do what you do so well with Animal Collective, but then as we've mentioned, the solo projects that you have as well um, and everyone goes off and does their thing and collaborates with other people but still manage to come back and still have that same essence of the band, I think it's like incredibly magical. Um, yeah, and I think it's those side projects too that have also informed um, what Animal Collective uh, does and has allowed us all at this point, because we've all, we all have our own kind of individual creative outlets outside of Animal Collective. I think, you know, that, that helps progress or change or, you know, it's, it's something to learn from that can then go into Animal Collective at other points in our lives. 100%. Um, I'd be very curious to know, I guess, before collaborating with any of the other guys, do you remember your first introduction to songwriting and kind of having an interest in making music yourself yeah i mean it's 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 pretty scattered i feel like at a at a really young age um something uh well my brother was a um uh like a top 40 dj when i was growing up on mm-hmm. on the radio on on local baltimore radio he started and then kind of moved to radio around philadelphia um and, you know, I would always be getting um, hand, hand down vinyl from the radio stations and, and mixes from him. And I was immediately drawn to something about music. It wasn't necessarily um, songwriting at first, but there was an attachment to like the entertainment side of it. You know, my sister and I used to make videos of us like playing around instruments. I, I took classical <laughs> piano from a really from a really early age, I actually have an old film of me. It might, it might even be my first steps and I go to the piano too and just start banging on the piano. So I think there's just something, some force that drew me to it. Um, so I kind of like 
was into pop music in, in tandem with learning how to play classical piano. And my dad would always be playing piano uh, around the house. He, uh, he grew up playing piano as well, and we had a piano at our house. And he'd play more like Gershwin or, um, you know, like a lot of movie soundtracks, too, from the 70s and the 80s, um, like Arthur, the theme to Arthur, I remember <laughs> being played a lot. Um, and so then I started getting these books. He had like the pop music books and it had like the Bee Gees and the Hall Notes and stuff in it. And I'd, I'd start playing that stuff too. And yeah, my, my sister and I just started making these videos of us pretending we were performing for people. And, and we'd either lip sync to songs or we'd, we'd just pretend we were playing songs. We would just mouth songs with our with our voices, you know, just, just, you know, whatever we could to create something. Um, and then somewhere along the line, you know, hearing, getting into like the Grateful Dead, um, in like fifth grade and I guess more like classic rock. I feel like the greatest hits, like, you know, of all the old bands were really important to me, like Steve Miller's greatest hits and, and Cat Stevens greatest hits and, uh, Joni Mitchell. I don't know, just my, my, my parents and family all listened to like seventies music. So I grew up kind of listening to that stuff. I just, you know, pick, I started playing that stuff on piano from, from certain, from certain lines that would be in the song, like, um, you know, uh, uh, morning has broken like by cat Stevens. I would like hear the piano line that was prominent in that song and, and you know, really be attracted to it. Like the melody or, um, uh, mountains of the moon, uh, by the grateful dead, the harpsichord line in that, um, Tom, Tom Constance and, uh, really big influence on me, like melodically. So yeah, I just wanted to get a four track and I didn't play guitar. Um, I just started to pick that up on my own, like, you know, once I started getting into like punk music and DIY music and like the cramps and, and, uh, discovered, um, like lo-fi music, like pavement and silver Jews guided by voices, sonic youth, you know, all, all these guitar bands, um, the, the sound of the guitars and the bands just started, you know, making me curious about how to get those sounds and, and, and like being in a band. Um, so I got a four track, and that's really when I just started experimenting with uh, just kind of making simple songs, like using a uh, – I had a DX27 that my brother got for me and, uh, you know, an acoustic guitar and um, eventually an electric guitar, like a, you know, cheap used electric guitar. And I just started um, – and there was a drum machine like on the, on the DX27, I think. So I would use that to just – play simple drum parts and just would do covers, but also just do kind of songs that sounded like stuff. I liked that sounded like the Beatles sounded like Pink Floyd, you know, sounded like pavement. Um, and that's just, and Brian at first, you know, I met Brian in, in freshman year of high school and he was in all the, all the same stuff I was. And so, you know, we would get together and we'd hang out and, you know, just mess around with recording these songs. And then I just started writing. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot of songs at that time. Um, and we figured we'd just, you know, get together. He played guitar a little bit. I played guitar and we just started trying to, yeah, write these songs or work on these songs together. And that's what shifted into meeting Josh because we record we we had a band and we recorded like a seven inch and gave it to Josh or Josh heard it somehow and through other friends at our high school and yeah, came up to us and was like, I heard that. That's great. And we just knew a bunch of people that were all, you know, creative people and, and liked, like the same kind of indie music and punk music and um, hip hop too, you know, was big influence at the time. And, you know, the kind of stuff we were doing was just kind of all over the place. Yeah. It's like, I would try and do a hip hop song or do a hip hop beat. And, you know, um, you know, Beck obviously at the time was like a big influence and that just kind of seemed to come from a lot of areas and the beastie boys and, um, yeah, all that stuff kind of just influenced me a lot back then. I absolutely loved that. I was, um, in, in preparation for today, uh, and a little bit later I was going to ask about like your listening habits. Cause in, I guess in my research and having a look into, um, the band's history and your own history. One thing I kind of discovered was that um, you have quite a class, uh, sorry, eclectic music taste. I think ranging from like punk music, as you said, world music. Um, I found that like I think in the course of one month you were listening to uh, the Slits and Kylie Minogue. So like kind of covering so much ground in what you've just said almost kind of makes sense as to why you've got this incredibly eclectic and broad music taste because of that background of, you know, having that interest in the seventies and classical music and your brother's top 40 job. Like I imagine that has built quite a, um, quite a solid foundation for you in terms of a love of music and an interest in, in different kinds of music. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, it was always just like kind of one thing that would attract me to a song. I'd be like, Oh, you know, like, what's that all about? You know, I like that song. I just want to, you know, it's almost like trying to figure out and it's, it's how I approach music still. It's like, I like something mysterious to me or something like I haven't heard or something that kind of takes me off guard, just will kind of pull me into it and, and, and make me want to, you know, understand something about it. Um, and I think that just opened up in high school to, yeah, once I, once I started, kind of looking into more what the band, these bands, what they listen to and what, what interested them that, you know, opens up the door even further and you get to, you get into like older music then. And, you know, in high school, I was also listening to like old psychedelic music, 60s psychedelic music, like kind of that spawned from pink, listening to Pink Floyd or Sid Barrett stuff and finding out that he was into like, um, AMM or, you know, like mm. some more like experimental guitar stuff. And then wanting to figure out what that was all about. And cause that influenced how he played guitar. And, and so that got us into like textural music. And then, you know, we, we discovered like Sun City Girls and, 
And that opened us up to certain kinds of world music and gamelan music and other kinds of psychedelic music and just straight noise music too, you know, that was happening at the time, um, that, that, you know, we hear, you know, other bands talk about, and, and that was just older and that kind of carried into college that, that whole time period was really just very, a, a learning a time of, you know, a lot of learning about music and, and what was out there and what has happened, the history of music and, and just, you know, just developing uh, a way of listening too. I mean, listening is, it's a real important part of making music, you know, and it's, I guess it's maybe not talked about a lot. I mean, um, I've related to a lot of say like Pauline Oliveros is writing, uh, these days on how important listening is. And I think we really developed uh, a form of listening that was, that was crucial to us. Like, you know, in terms of creating our own music, just, just taking the time to like sit down and listen to a lot of music and listen to a lot of contemporary classical music and listen to a lot of jazz music and listen to a lot of psychedelic music mm. and try and find, what it was about all of them that w where the similarities are, you know, and where the differences are and how, how that all can sort of fit into the music that we make. And, and then listening to our music, like, does it have the same effect as that music does on us? You know, cause that, that's kind of always a goal for us too, is to, is to have people have the experiences sort of, you know, nobody of course I don't think has the exact same experience when listening to some stuff, <laughs> but you also, you also relate to people in a cool way by having a listening experience, you know, and I think there are people that hear animal collective that sort of relate to each other because they have a similar experience when listening to our music. And, and that's really special to us because that's sort of, you know, how we relate to each other in the band, you know, and that, that was a big part of our getting to know each other is like through listening to music and getting into it. 100%. I think that that's very true, especially that last bit about, um, uh, that, that bit, in relation to fans and kind of having a similar experience. I know myself and, and a, a very old friend of mine now, but 10 years ago, we bonded over um, Meriwether Post Pavilion and, and just kind of had similar experiences with that, which other friends didn't, which was able to kind of bond our friendship and made us love the record more. So I think that there is something to be said about the, I don't know, the influence that, the music has had and as you said the experience that fans are having with the music in turn from you the work that you're putting into the records yeah i mean and and i feel like i can tell that it's a it's a certain kind of person that that really digs the band a lot you know what i mean it seems <laughs> like i don't you know it's hard to put a finger on but you know they they you know it seems to be out there <laughs> do you notice much um i guess much of a change with fans over the years like the band has been putting records out for over over two decades now um is there much that you notice in relation to fans changing new fans younger people getting into the band um I, brian and i were just talking about this because um geologist and i because we were just on tour um with our solo projects um this last couple of weeks uh, around the u.s and um, we kind of went down into texas new orleans florida and and it's it's usually been with animal collective uh the last i'd say decade you know maybe since um centipede hurts that we've we just noticed kind of you know uh the younger people you know in, in coming out to our shows you know and and how there's a excuse me certain um faction or whatever of 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 you know the same kind of age of younger people they just kind of 
keep coming in with each record, you know, and I, 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 you know, that's a, you know, high school or that makes sense to me because, you know, high school, college, that's when you're discovering a lot of like new music. So yeah, I think it's just a lot of people discovering with each new record and, and our, from our viewpoint with animal collective, at least touring that those are the people that we see. Cause those are the kids that, you know, are the young people that, uh, get up front, you know, and, 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 you know, uh, just, I don't know, just that that they're most visible to us, you know, um, on this last tour that that Brian and I did, we were, I don't know, we were able to mingle with, with more older fans, you know, people that, that have listened to us now for like 20 years, you know, people that got into us during Meriwether feels, you know, and I feel like there's groups of, there's groups of them, you know, being certain ages where like, Oh, you know, those are the people that got into sung tongs and those are the people, you know, um, I mean, and everybody's mingling, you know, and into the, and into it all for, um, hopefully, um, staying, staying with us for that long. But yeah, it was just cool for Brian and I, because we got to interact more with, with people that, you know, have been listening to us for quite some time. And, and it's just good and feels good to know that, you know, they're still out there, <laughs> you know, uh, getting into it and still coming to the shows after all this time, you know, 100%. I, um, I'm wanting to, I guess, ask, cause as you just mentioned, I know that yourself and Jill just were on tour. I think there's some more tour dates across November, for separate projects and possibly some tour dates together, can we expect some Animal Collective tour dates in support of the record? Not right now. No, we don't. We don't have anything planned. Uh, I think uh, you know it's 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 a complicated situation for all of us, and you know we all have a, a slightly different viewpoint on it. Um, but I think that you know, as 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 we were talking about early on. Um, since the records are kind of like two of the same, we kind of did a lot of touring um, or not two of the same, but just kind of like from the same batch of songs. Um, um, we, we kind of did a lot of touring for time skips last year. And um, it felt like at this point we'd only really, because of other solo projects that have been going on this year, um, I put out sevens and uh, Noah and, uh, Pete Kember were still kind of finishing their reset cycle from last year. It was just hard for us. It's always, you know, it takes time for us to get mm. into like a new frame of mind. You know what I mean? And it felt like we were right now, we would kind of be just doing the same tour that, that we had done. And, you know, it just, it just, it, it just didn't feel inspiring for us as a bummer. Like, you know, as, you know, that as negative as that might sound, it's, it's not that negative. It's just a matter of us, you know, wanting to like have the energy, the creative energy to like go out and, you know, give it our all. It takes a lot. Um, and since we've been doing so much touring, it just felt like better to like hold off a bit. So we are holding off a little bit just to, just to get the new cycle going really, you know, and, and, and get the new juices flowing. And I think, um, it'll just be all the better, you know, the next time we're out there. <laughs> I, can, I can very much respect that. I do have to ask then, if if it's all right, can we, on behalf of the, the fans in Australia, when we do make a return to the road, can we possibly include some Australian dates at some point? We know that we're usually last well, on the I mean, uh, we, we always try and, yeah, I feel like we, 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 we do our best to try and, um, to, I think... Painting with, I believe, is the f- might be the first time we didn't make it to Australia. I, th- I think so. Previously, because um, you've done Meredith we, and um, Big Day yeah. Up. 
yeah, for every other record, I think we've tried to, yeah, tried to do what we can. Um, and it's always been a blast. So hopefully next time we'll, yeah, we'll, I feel like there were a lot of spots that we missed last year, unfortunately, unable to go to Europe or Japan and, you know, the places that we love to go play. And so hopefully, you know, next time we'll be able to hit more of that, uh, hit more of it and include Australia for sure. I'll, I'll take that. that I'm, I'm happy even with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to quickly ask um, of this new record, there was a track that I absolutely loved and just wanted to get a little bit of behind the scenes of if possible, or just um, what inspired it. Um, it was Magicians from Baltimore, which is just this incredibly sprawling, I think it's nine minute track. Um, yeah, how did this... yeah, I write some long ones. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love this track. Um, would you be able to share, I guess, just a little bit of the, the inside of behind the, the making of the song? Yeah. Um, this, this is one that comes from, uh, 2017, 2018, like when we were trying to way to write some songs for, um, the music box, which is this awesome venue in, in New Orleans that we played two nights at in 2018. And, uh, yeah, we just needed a, wanted to write a bunch of new material for, for, uh, for that. And I think that venue, um, because of the way it's constructed and because it's made up of sort of like a bunch of percussive instruments and just different, like crazy sounding stuff. I think it did influence the way I approached writing songs like magicians or defeat. Um, because I wrote them in mind with using this, these instruments, these house houses of instruments or whatever you'd want to call them. Um, as sort of like the orchestration for the songs. And I, I, I wanted them to be more kind of a little bit more broken and free form and, and, you know, floaty or whatnot. Um, and so magicians definitely has that sort of fragmented feeling. And I wanted it to be this sort of thing that felt broken apart and then came together kind of like, a, you know, like a machine, like being broken and getting fixed, you know, and then kind of like a car getting repaired or something slowly and then driving away, you know, by the end. Um, and I feel like that's kind of, you know, can say something to the meaning of that song. It's like, I'm at once, you know, stuck in the influence of Baltimore and, and where I come from, it's, you know, animal collective is, we're all from, we all grew up together, you know, we're inescapably, um, influenced by that time in our lives. That's, when we cut our teeth together and how we, you know, relate to each other, it all comes from that time. And, uh, I'm also just, you know, have since moved on from Baltimore and have moved very far away from some aspects of that. And, you know, it's, it can be very weird going back there. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's what that song is. It's like the two existing realities of, of, you know, wanting to escape, you know, where you grew up and like where you, come from, but also at the same time, realizing the importance, you know, I, I feel like the last five years and, and writing these songs, I mean, I moved to, um, moved to more of a, a rural environment, you know, I moved to outside of Asheville, North Carolina, and it felt more like moving back to my roots, you know, like the woods and, and how it felt like, cause I grew up in Baltimore County, you know, outside of the city and it was a very kind of wooded environment. And so, yeah, there's this, there's been this sort of importance for me in the past five years or so of like reconnecting to those roots and reconnecting to those roots musically. 
too, because I feel like it's, it's, it's been a time period of thinking a lot about like the early days of animal collective. And it's been so long now. And when people start saying, Oh, you've been around 20 years, you know, <laughs> um, that just gets you starting to think about a lot of this stuff and, and what you're doing and where, where we're going. So, yeah, I think that song's about that a lot. Just, you know, the turmoil of, of, of those days and the confusions and, you know, what I've lost and what I've gained, you know, and just also, you know, reaching a point of serenity and calmness with it all, you know, and those, that dichotomy of, of those two things together, you know. I was, yeah, perfect, perfect word. In my mind, I was kind of thinking like a duality of two things. I think dichotomy is also a perfect word for that. I think, um, yeah, it's an incredible track. So anyone who's listening to this podcast, who hasn't listened to the album, please go and check it out. Um, the album is... People, people. I got to say, people bring that one up. People people have been bringing that one up a lot. I'm, I mean, I think it's awesome. I'm, it's kind of like a little surprising to me because it's kind of one of the weirder, darker songs on the record to me. <laughs> and I feel like it's it's one where people usually are like, I don't know about that one or a little uncertain. Maybe because the end really like comes together. But yeah, I think it's cool that people are really latching onto that one. I think it's sweet. It, um, well, as I said before, being a fan, it was easy to get into the record. It was definitely not a challenge to listen to this record. I absolutely love it. But um, maybe it's just something that seems to be speaking to people and, and people who possibly have a history with the band. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. It is just a brilliant track. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, AV, uh, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. I very much appreciate it. And congratulations on Isn't It Now, the brand new album from Animal Collective. Um, it's out right now. All links will be in the podcast show notes. Um, but yeah, thank you very much again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.